when it's so good, just as humans tend to think, oh, it's gonna go bad. Hi, I'm Annie Muir, and this is Time for One Poem. In this episode, I talk to the New Zealand poet, Hera Lindsay Bird, and my poetry skeptic slash expert is Matt, a care administrator for the number one care agency who loves pop divas. Hera tells me about being inspired by Chinese poetry as a child. Then, me and Matt read Hera's poem, I Will Already Remember You for the Rest of My Life talking about starting relationships and then sabotaging them. Hello, Hera Lindsay Bird. Hello, how are you? Good, thank you. Normally I just say people's first names, but I feel like your name is just a one thing and it can't be broken down. Yeah, I feel like I should legally change Hera Lindsay Bird to my whole first name and then yeah. add some extra ones at the end for every successive book I do. Okay, so thank you for coming to talk to me about poetry. Thank you for having me. This podcast is aimed at complete beginners to poetry. So to get us in the mood, I want to begin by asking you, what is a poet and what is your day-to-day life as a poet like? What is a poet? That's a very uh, existential question. I don't, (laughs) yeah, I don't know if I could give any sort of satisfactory answer to that, but I can tell you what I do every day, which is mainly working in a children's bookshop, um, which is my other kind of great love. So it's um, selling books about scarecrows and talking crocodiles to children for their birthday parties. And um, I have to admit, it's sort of funny coming on here and doing a podcast about poetry because I've actually taken a a little break from poetry for the last couple of years to you know dabble in some other stuff like I'm trying to work on some fiction at the moment so I don't know how poetic my day-to-day life is but so you've taken a break from poetry after you caused such a storm in the poetry world and then you just abandon it are you going to write more poetry so I just haven't had any new ideas in, in poetry for a long time and I think because my poetry is kind of quite autobiographical and I just not a lot has happened in my life recently <laughs> and so I definitely will come back to the poetry and write another poetry book I just don't want to be one of those people who sort of you turn into a parody of yourself by writing the same book again and again because there's only yeah so many of the same poetry book you can write for people lose their interest or patience I think you're like a rapper who like made it and now just has to rap about like living in a nice house (laughs) yeah my cat doing jigsaw puzzles on the weekend it's not good content (laughs) okay so channel your mind back to before all this happened can you remember when you first got interested in poetry or started writing poetry? And was there anyone who particularly encouraged you in your endeavours? Well, I've got one of those horrible answers that everyone hates, which is like, I've written poetry since I was a child because it's so irritating and um, <laughs> not precocious because everyone was forced to write poetry as a child. But um, yeah, my, I grew up in a house that had a lot of poetry. Uh, my dad and mum both have kind of strong connections to China so we grew up with a lot of um, beautiful old Chinese haiku and stuff like that and yeah I always it was kind of like my weird after school activity it's so depressing (laughs) 
Um, but I suppose that's, you know, that's sort of how people get interested in things. You kind of get enough praise for something when you're a child and you think, all right, let's milk this for all it's worth. And then I forgot about it when I was a teenager. I kind of read a lot, but I was kind of more interested in fiction. And the way I got back into it again as an adult is I took this really amazing writing course. As part of the writing school over here that I went to, they have this one American poet comes over from the Iowa Writers Workshop to teach a summer course every year. And the woman who came the year that I took the course was so amazing and she showed me poetry I had just never heard of before. So I was introduced to people like Chelsea Minnis and Mark Leidner and um, even the the famous contempt the you know the great dead poets of the states like James Wright who I'd never read before and because we have such a British tradition at school like I grew up at school studying Wilfred Owen which was you know not not really my thing maybe if I went to war I would love it but um yeah I, I just I just discovered this whole world of poetry I had never heard of before and I thought oh okay this is what you can do so I was about I think 22 or 23 when I sort of took this course just to pad out my English degree and I just yeah I got really excited about it again. You're you're quite vocal about your like poetic heroes can you remember I know it's kind of hard to describe but what it is about those poems or those poets that really appealed to you when you were this 22 year old dabbling in poetry <laughs> well I I kind of I think I had this idea that poetry was quite um you know it was kind of there was an ease to the American poets that I had never read before like someone like Ron Padgett who can just get up and say I drank a big coffee and I made my wife a lettuce sandwich that's such a bad American <laughs> accent but you know what I mean I'd grown up with these kind of very even people who I really like now like Sylvia Plath have these kind of very quite tightly controlled and arranged intellectual poems that felt like riddles to me when I first encountered them and just to read someone like Mark Gladner saying her asshole like a pink wedding ring never warm like I was just like holy shit I'd never heard anyone use similes like that before and I've always like loved humor the most of any kind of writing and so I think it was really the humor that kind of brought me in again yeah it's very unusual that poetry or like poems make you actually laugh and yours definitely do that that's why I really like them biggest fan oh, thank you <laughs> um <laughs> your poems are quite like self-aware about being poems but also not taking themselves too seriously as poems so I wanted to ask do they go through a lot of editing or is it quite spontaneous when I when I did that first book most of those poems were super laborious and especially the ones that are like those big simile chains like I really sat down and I was like how am I going to reverse engineer the poetry I like to kind of come up with this stuff and it became this kind of quite torturous process like me I've got this really good friend over here who's an incredible poet um his name is Greg Khan and he's really interested in old cut-up techniques and stuff like this so he built this really um he's also a, a genius coder and so he built all of this like language software that kind of I'll send you a link to it afterwards and you can give it to your listeners because it's such a cool thing and it there's like one thing that will take all of the nouns out of a Sylvia Plath poem and put them into a Frank O'Hara poem so a lot of them were kind of like done through quite laborious cut up and construction methods but 
the longer I was writing, the more I was like, I think the poems are actually better when they kind of come from one impulse and you follow that strand through to the end. So they actually got faster and faster as I wrote more. And I now I think that's sort of a better way to write, but it was quite a fun way at first to just be like, let's sit down and unpick everything. Like I used to sit down before, before we had this program, we used to do it with just paper. So I'd print out these like thousand word sheets of nouns that I'd liked and collected from poems and cut them all out and rearrange them on my floorboards, like some sort of, you know, my house looked like one of those, um, you know, in CSI where they have the crime thing on the wall with all the strings. Yeah, that used to be my writing process. But, like um, a beautiful mind. Yeah. <laughs> that woman in the meme with all the triangles and circles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your your poems kind of remind me of like a comedy sketch by Stuart Lee or something where it seems so chaotic and spontaneous, but really you feel like it's really scripted and planned and a lot of work has gone into it. And it's kind of satisfying in both ways. The Stuart Lee stuff is so good because you watch an hour of it and it's like, what I love about him is how boring he lets himself be in some parts. Like he's like, I'm going to really bore the shit out of you for five minutes in this part in order for the payoff that you don't even know is coming like half an hour down the road, which is like, yeah, that I feel like I've written a lot of really long, boring poems and that's because I love yeah, part of that is like how how funny I think that Stuart Lee thing is when you can, you know, make this really heavy thing suddenly float at the end. Yeah, delayed gratification. That's what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> um, you also use really long lines quite a lot. Are you doing this to try and trick people into thinking your poems are unpoetic so that you get people who don't like poetry to read your poems? Always love to trick people, but not really intentional. I think... I've never really known what to do with line breaks. So I kind of just leave them at the end of a natural sentence, um, which is an editor's nightmare. Like I remember when they were um, trying to format the book for publication in the end, they were just like, shall we just make this book really wide because we can't figure out where to stop any of the lines. But yeah, totally. I just, I find it awkward to put line breaks where there's no natural pause in the sentence. And especially if you want to read something out loud that has heaps of momentum you know artistically cutting it at like a predefined point just feels like it kind of ruins the monotonous rolling effect of the poem or something I like that terrible (laughs) terrible for editors poor (laughs) Ashley and the ellipses as well I bet she liked those yeah every time I have to republish something like I always just change the number of ellipses because it doesn't really matter. It's like, you know, maybe this has got 20, I had 15 in another draft. I can't really remember what it's supposed to be. And I always get these really funny questions being like, oh, you have 13 ellipses, but should we put, we can only fit seven. Is that okay? And I'm like, yeah. So I wanted to ask about Minecraft or gaming in general in your poetry and how much it's sort of influenced it because I feel like your poems kind of create worlds where anything can sort of happen like crazy anything um so do you think it's influenced your writing or is that just a coincidence I don't know I'm not a very like I'm a terrible gamer like I can't I'm I'm at like children come into the store all the time and they're like 
I love Minecraft and often I'll be playing the Minecraft soundtrack because I find it quite relaxing <laughs> and they're like are you listening to the Minecraft soundtrack and it's like yes I am I'm a very serious gamer but you know like I can't even make a mob farm or anything I'm just in it for like digging up blocks of dirt and planting nice flowers and stuff so I feel like if I understood the mechanics better maybe it would have more of an effect on my writing but as I do love like mainly it's just and there is a pop culture reference because I love it so much do you think it's related to poetry in any way I feel like gaming is the kind it kind of gets a bad rep and so does poetry but for a different reason like the kind of thing your parents would tell you stop gaming and they might also be like stop writing poetry all the time I always want I want everything to be like my favorite forms of entertainment are like blockbuster fantasy novels where there are 17 books or like you know Minecraft or like things that are really immersive and fun and like I want I feel like I want to carry that experience into poetry I don't want it to be this kind of cloistered intellectual exercise that people read out of a sense of like cultural obligation and they're not even sure why they do you know I want to like bring the same sense of like immersiveness and um, fun that you get in those other mediums but yeah I think that's about as far as my like train of thought has like gone (laughs) (laughs) I think immersive I'm glad you said immersive twice because when you said it I was like that's the word I wanted to use and it's true that is the connection it's like reading your poems it takes you and it immerses you into this world which you've created and that's the same sort of thing you do in games like Minecraft and The Sims why not yeah (laughs) that's my level of gaming knowledge it goes to the sims yeah Um, I do like the sims (laughs) although like I find the Americanness of it stressful I'm like can we have like a British version or something where you can do the Bertie and Wooster thing yeah or a New Zealand version oh yeah that would be we used to have this my partner used to live in this little house and watch this family across the road every day and they would call them the sims because they just like <laughs> looked like they were doing those little pre-programmed tasks <laughs> okay well although you are an expert on writing poetry even though you haven't done it in a while but you're going to do it again soon you're here a Lindsay bird so you are an expert on writing poetry but I would say you're not an expert on your own poems because you're too close to them which is why I'm going to take your poem, I Will Always Remember You, already remember you for the rest of my life, to be read by one of our non-poets. Oh, cool. Our, our esteemed non-poets. Does this scare you? Not at all. My favourite thing ever, actually, is, like, the best compliment you can get is when someone who is like, yeah, I don't usually like poetry, comes up and they're like, oh, but I really enjoyed your book. I assume that there's a lot of people who have never read poetry or also like, I've never read poetry and I really fucking hated your book too, but they don't come and tell you that. So, you know, you don't have to worry about it. They just don't read it. Yeah, but I sort of feel like my poetry is kind of poetry for people who didn't, you know, are not have not traditionally read poetry or like that's kind of one of the things I'm going for. I'll tell them that when they're about to read <laughs> your book. <laughs> um, Thank you. Would you be able to read that poem out for me? 
Yeah, sure. I'll just have to go and find it somewhere because okay. I haven't brought my book over. One second. That's okay. All right. I will already remember you for the rest of my life. Standing on your balcony in winter, I think. I will already remember you for the rest of my life. It's too late now. I know who you are and what you look like and must henceforth venture through life recalling you many times as you continue to make things difficult by reminding yourself to me more and more by taking me to various locations and describing to me your aspirations, some ancient moon smouldering above us. I will always think of you and how it was between us and the things you did and said. I will think about your personality and your interests and the specific colour of your eyes. Even if we have a terrific breakup and stop calling each other, I'll still remember you. I won't be able to help it. You're there in my memory like the concept of opera or the Simpsons theme song, like a field of blossoms in the air freshener commercial, sarcastic with light. I will think of your temperament and your enthusiasms and how you looked at me. I will think of all the things you told me about your life. Hi, Matt. Hello, how are you? Good, thank you. Thank you for coming to talk to me today. You're welcome. Firstly, when someone says the word poetry to you, what is your general reaction? Um, I just think about, it's very random, but my sister once wrote a haiku and mm -hmm. she won a prize in high school. <laughs> so that's the thing I think <laughs> about immediately. <laughs> What was her haiku about? Um, the life and death, just like the beginning, the beginning of life, a tree. It was very spiritual. <laughs> wow. So were you impressed with her haiku at the time? Yeah, very, very. <laughs> okay, aside from that, if someone says it to you now, what would, would you think? Oh, yeah, I'd like to read that if someone said, can I show you a poem? I think... If I knew the person, um, I, f I would feel flattered because I know it's usually like very personal stuff. Um, but when it's by, you know, a publisher or something, I would feel a bit skeptical, maybe. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? Just I've, I've just never read it and never came about reading it because I would prefer reading a book, maybe uh, mm -hmm. if I were to read. <laughs> OK, great. Okay, we've got a bit of a, a background of, of your feelings about poetry then. <laughs> Can you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? So I am a care administrator uh, at the number one, at the number one care agency, yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, so what I do is I just um, take inquiries from people who are needing care. And my, the company that I work for is tied to another company, which is called the Number One Befriending Agency. And what they do is just helping uh, lonely people who need someone to talk to. It's very volunteer-based. Uh, it's very inspiring work. Um, we do a lot of good, uh, and it's very inspiring. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people, lonely people who need your help. Yes, yes, definitely. And what about in your spare time? How do you relax? Um, well, I really like music, so I like listening to music. 
I've tried producing my own music and writing music as well uh, back in the day when I was in secondary school. And I just like having a good time with friends as well. Cool. That's, yeah, normal stuff. Yeah. Okay, would you consider yourself an expert in anything? And it could be anything like making balloon animals or something else. Well... I would call myself an expert on music, uh, like especially like uh, pop music. I like my divas, so that's what I like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, is there a particular era of pop music? Honestly, no. Um, I can get like I really like ABBA, but then who doesn't? Uh, I really like Celine Dion, Mariah Carey, and then also like you know, the new girls. Um, I quite like as well. I don't know if you've heard of like Charlie XCX, just that kind of music. And that just progressed into like very uh, niche hyper pop music, uh, which is not for everyone as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, expert and divas. That's, I think that's great. Okay, well, for today, you are our poetry expert. Okay. And um, we're going to look at the poem, I Will Already Remember You for the Rest of My Life by Hero Lindsay Bird, who's a bit of a diva herself, actually. So I think you're going to like her. <laughs> um, will you read it out for me? Yes, I will. I'll try my best to do the intonation because I used to always get um, comments in secondary school that my intonation was very flat. <laughs> oh, that's okay. We don't mind flat intonation here. Oh, okay. <laughs> I will already remember you for the rest of my life. Standing on your balcony in winter, I think, I will already remember you for the rest of my life. It's too late now. I know who you are and what you look like and must henceforth venture through life recalling you many times as you continue to make things difficult by reminding yourself to me more and more by taking me to various locations and describing to me your aspirations. Some ancient moon smoldering above us. I will always think of you and how it was between us and the things you did and said. I will think about your personality and your interests and the specific color of your hair and eyes, even if we have a terrible breakup and stop calling each other, I'll still remember you. I won't be able to help it. You're there in, in my memory, like the concept of Oprah or the Simpsons theme song, like a field of blossoms in it, in an air freshener commercial, sarcastic but light. I will think of your temperament and your enthusiasm and how you looked at me. I will think of all the things you told me about your life. Thank you. I think that was a perfect reading. Actually, I think a flat intonation is the best way to read poetry because you never really know what's going to happen next. So you can't be like, la, 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 la. You, could, you just have to kind of go with it. And I think you, you captured that perfectly. Thank, Thank you. you. No problem. So what are your first impressions of the poem? Are there any bits that stand out to you personally? Um, I do like how she made it obvious where to pause, like with the lots of dots, because it uh, it serves drama. <laughs> yes, it really does. <laughs> and Hero Lindsay Bird does this a lot, these ellipses, dot, 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 dot. Like, and it's not just three. Sometimes it's like lines, like three or four lines of them. And it's, it, it really does make a comic pause, I think. Yes. out of poetry where a lot of people don't know where to pause a lot of the time so I think that's really fun okay great um so yeah will you describe a bit about what the poem looks like for people at home who can't see it 
Um, so it's mainly two paragraphs. Um, so the second paragraph starts after and the things you didn't said, um, which I like as well, because it's, it's very dramatic and it's obviously like um, someone who's deeply in love and already kind of disastrizing everything, I feel like, you know? Oh yeah, what, what do you mean by that? Um, but I tend to do that myself as well as, you know, um, <laughs> when you're in the moment, it could be yeah, anything, like even in my relationship, you know, you just, oh, when it's so good, just as humans tend to think, oh, it's going to go bad. So especially if you um, love to sabotage, uh, you can be like, <laughs> oh, no, um, it's going to end anyway, so I can't enjoy it. You know, I, well, I don't know if you do that. Do you do that? Yeah, I think everyone does that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but And that's definitely going on here, I think, very much. And mm -hmm. it's, it's great that you, you picked that up so quickly. I haven't even had to prod you in any way. <laughs> because I think when I first read this, like like you say, it's it sounds like it's about, you know, a love poem about someone like, mm -hmm. that you really love. But if you actually look at it, so who do you think the the speaker is talking to? like a partner or something? Yes, I think uh, definitely just uh, the person she's with just now, I think. Because um, you can especially see that um, so I won't be able to help it because she, she already thinks of the person now and she's already kind of obsessed with the person, I'd say. Yeah. But if you do, what do you know about the person that she's talking to or the speaker's talking to by this poem can you like do they describe this person at all they do but like in little things very specific things i'd say like the simpsons team to like team song that is like mm -hmm. um well i would say that they probably watch the, the simpsons together or she comes in and the person's watching the simpsons you know mm -hmm. yeah i guess yeah so, but when it actually talks about the person, it says, like, describing me your aspirations. And it says, I know who you are and what you'd look like. But the speaker doesn't tell us what this person looks like or what their aspirations are or what the things they did and said are. It's just, it seems very mysterious in that way, yeah. don't you think? Yeah, definitely. It's almost like they could be describing anyone, you know, like yeah. this could be like a template that you find on the Internet and use to like use for a love poem for whoever it is at the time. Because mm -hmm. even the Simpsons theme tune bit, it's it's saying you're in my memory like the Simpsons theme song. So it might be something they relate to them, but it could also just be like something that gets stuck in your head you know? yes 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 no that might not sense. even be in a good way yeah <laughs> sometimes you don't want the simpsons theme to you. <laughs> so i like that idea that it could be anyone it could be a specific person or it could be just this could be about all of their exes you know yeah yes yes or, no, that's or it could be I feel like I'm I'm talking too much. I need to let you <laughs> need to let you read it. Um, do, so, do you think that they're still going out now? Hmm. I my first instinct was yes. Um, mm -hmm. 
because I do feel like like I already said that she's just um imagining a world without the person she's so she's so in love with um because she kind of suggests that because like it's too late now I know who you are that kind of feels like there's like they're still talking um there's for me there's not really an element of it being an end of a relationship Mm -hmm. but what about um I will already remember you for the rest of my life it kind of Mm. suggests that you're not together because you wouldn't need to remember them if you were still together that makes sense yeah yeah no that's true I don't know no, I don't know. I mean, it, it could very much be about the person that they're currently with. And like you say, it could also definitely just be predicting the end, even mm-hmm. though things are going great and every, everything's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm just... I, I read this first and thought, this is very much a love poem. But mm-hmm. then I read it again and I was like, it doesn't mention the word love. It just mm-hmm. says they're going to remember them. So yeah. now I don't know. Now I'm a bit lost. So I need you to tell me. It could honestly also be, um, it could also be like talking about a, a, like a grandparent because ah. because she said there's not really talking about love, but like uh, your aspirations. Because um, it could just be like someone just talking about their, or someone they look up to. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah, I feel that. And it also could just be like a friend. Yeah, it? yeah. Because there's nothing at all specific about their relationship, which is what I like about it. Yeah. (laughs) It's just saying, it's basically saying, I like this person. I'll always remember them. I like what they look like. I like their aspirations. I like what they do and say. Um, But it doesn't, the only thing that we know specific information is the first line, standing on your balcony in winter. So someone with a balcony, (laughs) (laughs) probably in New Zealand, because that's where Hera Lindsay Bird is from. So someone in New Zealand with a balcony, this poem is about. (laughs) Do you have a balcony? No, I don't. I wish. (laughs) Do you? (laughs) No, I don't have it. Do you live in a flat, I guess? Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. We all live in flats in Glasgow. Yeah. (laughs) No garden, no balcony, just, just a little four walls. That's all you need. (laughs) But I like I like your idea about it being about a grandparent. I think we should stick with that. And then you you can read it all over again going, okay, that's completely different to how I originally read this. I love that. I think that's really fun. (laughs) It could be anyone. Yeah, it really could be. Would you give this poem as a love poem to someone? Um, I I wouldn't maybe give it, but I would think of a person, like of some, I could imagine myself like finding comfort in that, like after the end of uh, a relationship or like someone who's passed away or something. Um, Yeah, because you do always um, remember your exes, don't you? Or even like good friends that you've had that you don't speak to anymore or something like that. Yeah someone you know who's died obviously that's kind of a more dramatic remembering but sometimes you just stop speaking to someone but you still remember them yeah no that's true they're still around <laughs> like the simpsons yeah. i don't still watch the simpsons but i still remember it very well 
and I still always like make like hear references to The Simpsons. I'm like, oh yeah, that happened in The Simpsons. Yeah, that's years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. So I think we've come up with a kind of understanding of this poem or what we what we think it can be about. We don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, the people listening will probably have loads of different interpretations of it based on their experiences. They might have had a messy breakup recently and be like, it's definitely about a breakup. <laughs> or they might be really in love and just be like, it's just a love poem. There's nothing more to it. But it's been really fun talking to you about it. How do you feel now? Do you think you'll look at poems any differently after reading this one? Yes, I think so. Um, because you could kind of see them as short, short books, you know, like uh, just... really short. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely about like um, I do really like this one actually that you sent. So I'll even look into uh, the author because uh, yeah. I'm, I'm all about uh, strong women. So yeah, divas. definitely. Yeah, her poems are really good. You're gonna love them. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> Join the conversation. To read the poem in full, go to www.time41poem, that's with the numbers four and one, dot wordpress.com and comment with your own interpretation of the poem. This podcast was made using funding from the National Lottery through Creative Scotland. Thanks for listening.